Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I have with me a wonderful guest, Anita Kaiser. She is a business success and wellness coach for empaths and highly sensitive uh, entrepreneurs. She is also nationally and internationally certified and accredited as an EFT practitioner. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, Just tell us anything that you want us to know and why you're passionate about the work that you do and sort of introduce us to that as well. Mm, Excellent. All right. Well, I am a serial entrepreneurist. I I started very young being an entrepreneur, like selling golf balls in the golf course when I was like a kid, right? Back to golfers who missed the shot. And so um, since then, of course, as an adult, I've had a few different roles and landing in this space as a coach, supporting other entrepreneurs and specifically empaths and highly sensitive people. And I think I landed here because this is my journey and it's filled all of us as entrepreneurs. I think we go through lots of different struggles. And so having someone who can support you and understand and who's been there is really, really powerful. And I feel like it's so important to be able to share the information that I've gleaned, right? So not everybody has to like truck uphill like I had to. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just start with what is an empath? So there's lots of different definitions out there on what an empath is and So I'm going to tell you my definition of it, right? And I think the the really important thing that I see is that as empaths, and I call empaths and highly sensitive people, I feel like it's the same thing. So as those people, our language is energy. And whether we're actually burst in energy like you as a, you know, healer and and someone who's done the official training, right? Or we just feel it and don't actually have the words or ability to make sense of it. It is the driving force in our beingness, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're feeling the energy, we live in a world where people aren't often telling the truth. And I actually want to rephrase that. Not everybody, it's not that people aren't often telling the truth, but we have learned, we have been taught to deny certain emotions. And so often somebody will say, hey, how you doing? And you'll say, fine, but you're nowhere near fine. And maybe you've made a conscious choice not to share what's actually going on in that moment, or maybe you're just not tuned into it. The empath feels it, knows it, and wants to transmute that energy. And it's not even like a conscious thought in most cases. We just feel it, we know it, and we're 
always trying to make the people around us feel better. Oh, I think that's a good point. We're always trying to make the people around us feel better. That's interesting. So my next question is, how do you, so even though you just said we know it, what if you don't know specifically that you're an empath? How do you, I guess, make that transition? Because I feel like once you know you're an empath, then you can start working with ways to understand it and understand, again, like how you relate to other people's energy and your own and that whole box of worms (laughs) or can of worms. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like that really ties into my own personal story, right? Because I've been around the block for a while. Like I'm coming up to my 50th year, right? So 10, 15 years ago, the word empath wasn't even really around, right? It wasn't, it wasn't articulated. It wasn't, I don't even know if the word was available. And so for me, I spent a lot of my life feeling like I was just crazy. Like I would feel something and I would say, hey, you know, you look like you're not feeling so great today. And people would get so mad at me and, or like they're, just be this struggle. And I spent so much of my life trying to figure out, I can really feel something here, but they're telling me something different. What is happening? Because it was this massive disconnection, Mm -hmm. right? And so that to me was a big tip off, right? When then somebody said, you're an empath. And I was like, oh, right. This is making sense. And so you know, I was having things happen to me, like I'd be driving down the street and I'd all of a sudden be crying. And like, I wasn't feeling sad. It wasn't me personally that was having something going on, but someone around me. I would walk by a 911 call and I could barely breathe as I walked by the house, right? And so I was having these things where I was like, this is really strange. What is this? Mm -hmm. And then when I heard the word empath and I started to look into it and I really got that sense of I can feel all their emotions. I can feel what's going on. And so often, because so many of us are disconnected from ourselves and our inner knowing, right? All know the truth of something when someone else has no idea, right? Mm -hmm. It takes them a long time to even come to the place and especially like women, right? And when we're talking like anger or like frustration or something that, you know, we've been told nice girls don't do that, right? Right. So definitely don't show it. No. And so, you know, we develop that disconnection and I can always feel it right away. There's something here you're quite angry about, right? Yeah. So I think that's important to differentiate because the word empathy means the ability to understand, and share the feelings of others. And I think even though you gave it a beautiful definition too, I just want to be really clear so people understand, especially if they're on the beginning of this journey of figuring it and themselves out, is that an empath feels, like deeply feels other people's emotions. And if they're not aware that that's what's happening, then they take them on as their own And then there's confusion and, you know, overwhelm, all these things that there's almost like a, an avalanche or like a snowball effect of so many other things. This is, you know, it's really important what you said, right? And because I've been on the journey for a long time, I often forget those initial 
clarity, right? And I think the biggest struggle for most empaths is boundaries, right? Because energy has no boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, but we're living in this world, in this concrete place with these concrete things. And so because we're so used to energetically not having any boundaries, and yet there should be a boundary between you and I, between me and my husband, between me and my family. And so once you start realizing you're an empath, it can take a lot of concrete work to figure out where do I end and the next person begins. Right? Yeah. Um, Cause I think, especially with boundaries, I think the only way we're really taught about boundaries is, is shut down to protect yourself essentially. And boundaries is so much more than that. It is speaking, it is actions. It is. So it's saying, I, maybe I need you to like back up a little, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like maybe you're in my bubble <laughs> or maybe it's a personal time management things. Like there's so many different things that boundaries could mean, but that we're not taught. Yeah. Well, we're not, we're not taught boundaries at all. Right. Even just like the very nature of like the school system. Right. And like, or even the medical system, like it's all authority over. And then how do you become autonomous with your own? That's my edge, right? How do you know what your edge is if you're never given the opportunity to explore it? Yeah. So I was toughen up because I would come home from school upset or quote, hurt feelings or any of the things. And my dad would just say, you have to get have thick skin and toughen up. You know, don't let those people hurt you and don't show them that they've like hurt your feelings or or whatever it is. And so I think sometimes our parents do their best to try to teach us. But again, it's that it's like reactive out of a self-protective mechanism instead of proactive tools. And I hope and I think that especially as more generations are more aware, then they are, we're hopefully giving our children more of these tools from a younger age too. (laughs) Yeah. And I think absolutely most of our parents, well, all of them, they're doing the best they can with what they have, right? Some of them have more tools, some of them have less tools, right? (laughs) And the whole problem with the toughen up, yes, you end up protecting yourself from being hurt. But you also stop the good from coming in because you build this shell around your heart, right? Mm -hmm. And as an empath, as a highly sensitive being, our gift is that connection with our inner knowing in our heart. And it is this expansive, beautiful, divine energy that we want to, that needs to be shared. And I believe so strongly that those of us who have this ability are here to open the doors to a new world, right? Mm -hmm. To a sensitive, to a feeling world where how you, how do you feel is actually answered truthfully as the norm, not as the Mm -hmm. random, some weird thing just happened. Right. And, or that we can talk about it and it be received in a compassionate, non-judgmental way. And that we don't necessarily have to understand exactly what the other person's going through, but we can hear them and at least like hold space instead of being reactionary, which I think a lot, that still happens a lot. But I do feel, again, like with more awareness 
and this, I feel like we're like in a, in a time of global awakening energetically. I, I feel like that, like that shifting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Cool. So tell me how you, I guess, quote, discovered EFT for yourself or, or how this EFT came into your world and, and, and when you decided to use it as a tool to help people. Yeah, so EFT is short for emotional freedom technique, and some people just call it tapping. And I was introduced to it many, many moons ago, and I just found it so interesting, right? This idea of tapping through the acupressure points on the body and having that help heal or move energy just it felt so interesting to me. And then more recently, in like the past five years, I started to really get a better understanding of the way EFT helps shift trauma, right? And I think we live in a traumatized society. We mm -hmm. have so much trauma all around us and everybody has something that's occurred that created these beliefs, right? These, mm -hmm. I'm going to go through life like this and that's going to protect me or make me feel better or feel safe. And as we age, those things don't necessarily serve us, right? So what I really love about tapping is the gentle way it helps connect the subconscious with the conscious state. And again, because I'm a bit older, like I've been doing therapy and self-help since my early 20s or even in my, my teens. And talk therapy is lovely. There's value in it. But I really believe now that without the somatic piece, without that tie of mind and body, we're still just piecing you know, the parts, right? As opposed to integrating. And this is what I love about EFT. And I think like also the work you do, right? It's all about this integration, this yes. full encompassing integration rather than just reacting to the one piece or the one part or the one problem, right? Right. Yeah. We, we have the separation. We already understand the separation. So now it's time to turn that table and actually start bringing things together so that we can have a more thorough understanding of ourselves. And then once we understand ourselves, then we can take that out into our worlds and be the lovely light leaders and light workers that we all are. <laughs> and, okay, so essentially EFT or tapping is, so we are, and I've done this before, but just for our listeners, I just want to, again, break it down. And so you're tapping on different aspects. Uh, there's one on your eyebrow point next to your eye, below the lower lip on your chin, uh, between the nose and your upper lip. Oh, and the top of the head, right? Those are the main ones. Oh, and below the eye. So I think there there's a, there are a whole bunch of different sort of veins of instruction around okay. it, okay. right? And what I really believe is the order is less important. Okay. The words are even less important. Doing the tapping is the important piece. And if you remember 
one point, five points, you do them all, you do them in a, the wrong order. I really feel like that is less important than just doing it. Okay. And it's, sorry, and I, I just, no, go ahead. the reason being is because just the tapping by its very nature, going through these acupressure points, moves the energy and sends like a signal to the amygdala that it's safe. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so when should we do tapping? Maybe that's a good question. How do, when and where does it come in to our daily lives or only at certain times? How does that work? Or what is your recommendation? So there are no contraindicators for tapping which means it's good for anything and everything. You can use it all the time. It's like in the, the school that I come from, we, we call it like the hot sauce. You can put it on everything, right? <laughs> it's like a little sprinkle here, a little sprinkle there. And so I personally use tapping every day. I use it as a part of my morning meditation where I just move through the points and just see what comes up inside me, right? Because it gives me space to just, huh, what's going on in there? And that's because I use it regularly. That mm -hmm. for some people, when you're first starting, because it helps connect the subconscious with the conscious state, sometimes when you first start, if you've held all your emotions really tightly, it can bring up tears. It can bring up emotion because it moves the energy, right? And emotions are just energy in motion, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we want is that energy in motion. But if you've been holding it really tight, it can sometimes be a little startling. So I use it every day. I use it with my clients as we clear out limiting beliefs. I use it like if in my life I've got like I have to make a phone call that's making me anxious I do some tapping before that just to allow myself to come into my body to become regulated and um, release some of that sort of pressure that like gets built up when, you know, there's something that you don't want to do, right? You know, you have to do something, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, or maybe a lot uncomfortable. And to just bring myself into that calm, soothed state. Mm -hmm. I like, and I also like the concept of that it's kind of like personalized self-acupuncture <laughs> yeah. because, you know, it's based on those, those Chinese meridian points. And so by just giving them the pressure, like you said, you're allowing the emotions to move through, you're allowing things to come up. And, and, and I think we talked about this a little bit before, but many of us are not comfortable or I don't know how I want to say this, but we don't have maybe have a practice of feeling all of our emotions, <laughs> allowing ourselves to feel them all. And so I think this, uh, this starts that allowance with creating the space of, okay, so I can either use this acutely, meaning like if I'm upset or if I want to prepare myself that for something that might be uncomfortable, like you said, and or I can do it as everyday maintenance to help my general state of being be calm, collected, and, and give myself that space to if something needs to come up and out, 
I can do that in the privacy of my own home. You know, if I don't want to necessarily be vulnerable around and with another person, then I can, you know, it can be a nice little private practice and ritual with yourself. Yeah. And I mean, that's absolutely why I love it, right? Anyone can do it at any time. And, you know, even if you're out in the world, you can just go to the bathroom and, you know, do it in the bathroom for a minute, right? Take, you know, a few breaths and just have that moment of privacy. And um, and I just want to make sure too that people also understand it. My focus is on emotion, but mm-hmm. it is also powerful for shifting actual physical ailments, right? Like if you're feeling pain, Mm -hmm. I mean, my personal belief is most of our pain does have an emotional emotional component, (laughs) right? And, you know, I was just with a client this morning, she's had neck pain um, for years, like, you know, maybe 30 years. And we've been working on something for like six weeks. And it's not tied to the neck pain, but today I asked, you know, how's your neck been feeling? And she was like, oh, it's actually been feeling really good, right? Mm-hmm. And because we've been addressing the underlying stuff and now the body's like, oh, I don't have to hold this anymore. She's hearing me. Mm-hmm. So since you you brought that lovely example up, let's talk about trapped emotions, because I feel like that's a good example, that little anecdotal story you just gave. Can we dive deeper into that? Yeah. And so that's a little bit of what I was touching on when I said sometimes tears start to come up, right? Mm-hmm. When when we start tapping, even though you may just move through the points and all of a sudden you feel this sadness or something or maybe anger. I mean, it's definitely anger is one that we push down, but often it is the sadness because we all have these experiences that sucked. Like they absolutely sucked, right? Right. And when we're given the message like you were to toughen up or, you know, they didn't mean it or somebody else has it way worse, all these words are meant well, but they end up making you feel, making all of us feel like we're not justified in our emotion. Mm. And so we push it away. We try and hide it. And so when we start tapping, sometimes they pop out. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I And I, again, that comes back to like the social or the lack thereof of it being socially acceptable to even show our emotions. Yeah. You know, like it's not appropriate to cry in public or or to express your anger or, you know, any of those things. You definitely get some creative labels when you are honest with your emotions in, yeah. you know, in public situations. So we, we shove them down, we shove them away. And I think most of us are not conscious of, quote, where we put them, but we put them in our body somewhere. And then again, if they're not addressed, then it manifests as pain, disease, any number of things. So I just want to add to that, right? Like for me, back before I had gotten to this regular place, my life felt like a game of whack-a-mole, right? Like emotions would pop up at inopportune times. I'd try and push them back down and over here, something else would pop up and over here, you know, and it's like this constant, I'm just trying to hold it all down. And even like a little blip was like too much, Right. Just and and this is what 
what often happens, right? Because the body's not designed to hold all that. It wants to purge it, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, we can only hold, quote, hold it together for so long. <laughs> yeah. And for those of us who are sensitive and empathic, we're not only holding our own stuff, but we're holding so many other people's stuff. So we're like that much fuller, right? Mm-hmm. So even like when your cup is full, it only takes one drop to spill over, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And especially if you feel responsible for the happiness of your friends or your family, your parents, you know, your children, any of that stuff, that's a lot to take on. It's hard enough for us to manage our own happiness, let alone someone else's actions and behaviors, and then think that we can, quote, make them happy. And I just, you know, I feel like because I, I think you come from like the medical world, right? I do, Initially, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I read a book recently about someone who, highly sensitive person who worked in the prison system in the U.S. And I think like these are jobs, you get into those jobs to help, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. the, the reasoning. But as an empath, as a highly sensitive being, like those jobs are hardcore, right? Like that's a really intense environment for someone with sensitivities. Yeah, I feel like it, it definitely puts you on the fast track to either figuring it out or burnout and, and yeah. like and change a total change of direction. And for me, luckily... It's, again, I'm sure much like yourself, you know, wanting to explore more of my own inner being so that I could feel better and then also therefore manage my own energetic environments in a much more empowered way. That also allowed me to show up in my professional life with, again, compassion and empathy without necessarily being empathetic and taking it on in such a way, but also saying, okay, there's only so much I can do for my patients. I'm being honest because that all, again, comes back to the boundaries thing. Like, let's be realistic. What I, I, as the practitioner, can really do, and I can encourage my patients or my clients to open up, change their life, make different choices, all, all of the things, you know, relative to what it is, but I can't control their actions or their choices. And you can't do it for them. And right? I can't do it. Absolutely. I cannot do it for them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Man, that would be actually so much easier for the entire healthcare world. <laughs> well, and, and I think somehow, like, we're sold this bill of goods that someone else has the easy button. If you just find them and you press the button, it's all going to happen. Right. And that's not the reality. No. Yeah. It's, it's, that's very true. And I think we've put our physicians up on these pedestals that has really put them at, at a disadvantage in terms of, their relationship with patients, but also um, their power and, you know, and not acknowledging the true limits of Western medicine and, you know, the limits of pharmaceutical medicine as well. And honestly, most of it these days is what I call Band-Aid medicine because we're not getting to the root, which oftentimes is energetic and emotional And we're just saying, okay, you can diet and you can exercise. And then you can also take this pill. Yeah. And that's not serving anyone really. So, yeah. 
Okay. So I want to sort of dive into, uh, we talked about it a lot without really naming it, but the nervous system regulation and why is that important? And what have we not really brought into that conversation yet? So I think most of us were not taught regulation. I think when I look around in, in my family, like when I, it, I first realized maybe three or four years ago, like I was pretty much in fight or flight my whole life. And when I look back through my history, I can see, oh, my mother's in fight or flight. Oh, my grandmother's in fight or flight, right? Like this is historical, what I see in my family. And I don't think we're special. Like I think this is the norm, right? Mm -hmm. We have a lot of expectations in society. We're told things should be a certain way. And if they're not a certain way, then we're told something's wrong with us, right? So nervous system regulation, it's few and far between where people actually are regulated. And so what I mean by regulation is not that I never get triggered because I'm still human. There's always going to be triggers. But instead of something happening and it pushes me into fight or flight and it takes me like a week to realize that I've left my body, that I'm responding from past trauma, right? I notice immediately or like within the hour, I'm like, oh, something's happened there. Oh, what happened? And then I come back into my body. So, and I know that's a bit of a weird term, come back into your body, right? Depending on how familiar your listeners are with that. But again, come back into my body, I mean, regulated. And so nervous system regulation means whatever comes my way, I can respond from a neutral place rather than okay, you said you didn't like what I was doing and I feel all defensive and I'm like attacking you because that's an out-of-body response. Mm -hmm. The defensiveness is like out-of-body response generally, right? And like, it's normal to feel defensive, but then to be able to say, oh, I can see I'm feeling defensive. Oh, I can see I'm feeling really angry and I want to hurt them to notice that stuff and then respond from a like, I see I'm feeling really triggered or, you know, like I'm aware of this. Mm -hmm. And it's really powerful then, right? It's this total sense of strength and empowerment within us. And so I just want to go a little bit deeper in this. And right, you mentioned it earlier, this sense of overwhelm, right? When we're in that state of overwhelm, it's a continual dysregulation, right? You're not at all regulated. And, you know, I have a 15-year-old daughter and I've only just started to be regulated, right? Like the past five years and it's getting better and better every day. So I can see when I look at some of her responses, huh, she's showing me the dysregulation. So now that I'm at this place where I can see it, I know my job is to model the regulation to stay in my body and not rise to that like (gasps) place. Mm -hmm. Do you think also the quote being in your head type of thing is also part of this dysregulation? Because I think a lot of us sort of swirl around in our head, (laughs) which I also consider like not in your body. Absolutely. And I think there's 
something that I've seen, certainly when we have trauma in our history, as an empath, as a highly sensitive, it's much easier, safer to move into those upper chakras, right? Like the throat, third eye and the crown, right? To move up because being in the body sucks when you're experiencing trauma. And most of us learn that the coping behaviors that keep us safe are when we can think our way through things and often try and control things because then we have some semblance of safety, but that's not actually safe and it's certainly not integrated. Right. And nor is it usually productive either. No, that's right. That's right. And (laughs) it can really become a spiral Mm -hmm. then, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're like constantly ruminating and stuck in that space. Yes. So are there other tools that you use besides EFT or besides the tapping um, in terms of this nervous system regulation or that you recommend? I think grounding. Grounding Mm -hmm. is super, super powerful, right? And this ties in really to like the upper chakras and it's really important to come into the body. And so by being outside in nature, by looking down at your feet and noticing how they're meeting the ground, right? Oh, like I have a body. There's actually a body here, right? And it sounds silly and simplistic, but it can be so powerful. So Mm -hmm. I'm also big like mindfulness, building the awareness. Yoga is one of my tools that brought me home to my body, started to make this a safe space where I could then explore other things. Yes. And I think you brought up too uh, perfectly being in nature. It's so important for us to remember that we are beings in and of this earth and that we are not disconnected. We are integrally connected. And I think that can be so powerful and helpful too. And, and, And again, help with the reconnection Mm -hmm. because so many of us do feel disconnected from each other, from our lives, from our, you know, businesses, from our careers, whatever it is. I think a lot of us feel like, like we might have a routine, but we're just going through the motions. Like we're, we're getting through by each day, but it's not fulfilling. And we might, we might even feel like, like we're sleepwalking through life, you know, all of these little phrases to describe it, but really, Um, I like that definitely you said like grounding and to me, like, yes, like connecting with your body and then connecting with the earth in a physical way. Like, um, I guess that's somatic, right? Where it's like all the senses, touch, feel, smell, taste, even, you know, you can taste the air as it blows. (laughs) Well, we just had a huge thunderstorm roll. Oh man, I missed the rain like that. (laughs) I live in high desert, so... (laughs) You're in California? Yes, but I'm up around Lake Tahoe. So my Uh, house is at um, around 6,500 feet of elevation. And so we get a lot of snow in the winter, but most of our moisture comes. And I love snow. That's why I moved here, but I miss the rain. I grew up in the Southeast. So I, I miss those thunderstorms. Yeah, well, and that's like, it's like uh, a palpable taste, right? Like you could, like, you know, the dampness of the earth when the rain has just moved through. Like, I I just love that. So Yes, yes. 
So do you also recommend, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. So what, or let me just phrase it this way. What kind of routine do you recommend in terms of this regulation? How do you create this regulation for yourself? Maybe that's the, the ultimate question. Well, I think the first thing I want to say is be gentle with yourself, right? This is, there is no value in adding any kind of shame. I think we live in a shame-based society, right? There's so much shame and most of us don't even, like aren't even familiar with that word, never mind understand what it feels like in our body. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I want to say is just be gentle with yourself, right? And starting with building the awareness, like, oh, I don't think I've responded in my body once. Everything I did today was reactionary. And so like begin to notice those sorts of things. And then once you notice, then you're like, oh, well, maybe I want to try to tap through that. Or maybe I want to ground before I know I have to do this thing, whatever it is, or adding in some opportunities where you're connecting in with the body and not just thinking it through in the mind, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a slow, gentle process and with loving kindness, right? This is the only way we can create change. And I just want to say, even though tapping is something each one of us can do at any given point, if you have big traumas in your history, you want support for that. It's not advisable to work, try and work through that yourself. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, Yes, absolutely. And there there are many wonderful practitioners and many wonderful tools uh, to help process the trauma and hopefully even transmute it ultimately. But at least we have to start with the processing. But yes, so I totally agree. Your first step to anything is awareness. So awareness of your thoughts, awareness of your feelings, awareness of your body, awareness of your reactions, you know, so we have to be aware, which also requires us to be curious (laughs) and willing. And then once we have those three like little, little dances happening, then we can move into the, okay, I'm aware. Now I have the options and the choices to make changes if I want, or, you know, to bring in more tools and then create a daily routine or, you know, find a practitioner to help me understand all these things that I am doing in myself and outside of myself and (laughs) all that goes along with it too. Yeah. And I think just as you were speaking, I think it's really powerful, right? Because so many of us are disconnected from our bodies. So the difference between rigid and soft, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're vibrating because everything is tense all the time to bring in any sort of softness, you immediately feel the difference, right? Even if it's just like my toes, I'm softening my toes. That's all I can muster right now. But, you know, to invite that in and to just notice where in my life is there rigidity in my thoughts, in my body, in, you know, the way, whatever. 
And where can I bring more softness in? Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's even, you know, if you're already a practiced yogi, maybe it's about changing how you practice your yoga. Do you find yourself constantly in the Bikram and the vinyasa classes, (laughs) which are fantastic and strength building? But again, like you said, the softness, maybe what your mind, body, and soul really needs at this moment is some more yin some stillness and allowing that, you know, because just the act of stretching can really allow, talking about those trapped emotions, allow those to also move through and out of us. Yeah. So good. So good. Okay. What else? What have we not touched on yet? What have we missed? I don't know that we've missed anything. I feel like this has been a um, really beautiful, well-rounded sort of summary and opportunity for, you know, just a few different light bulbs to to come in, right? And I think what I want to say just about this point, this last point you just made about the yoga, right? Like I used to always do Ashtanga, right? When I first found Ashtanga, I was like, oh my God, this is the yoga for me. Because when I first started, it was gentle hatha. And I was like, oh my God, shoot me now. Like, what are (laughs) these people doing? And Shavasana at the end, even Shavasana at the end of Ashtanga was like, oh, so hard. Like, can I just go? Can I just go instead of lying here? I'm, I'm really busy. I gotta right? get out of here. <laughs> and so, you know, that's where I personally started. And now I'm like, mm, I think I'll do some yoga nidra. That sounds mm-hmm. about right. But it was a practice and I had to slowly get there. And if I had started with, you know, shaming myself for not being able to stay on my mat, I never would have gotten to this place, right? Yes. I think that, as you said, like the Bikram, the Vinyasa, like if you are an A-type personality and you're just constantly pushing hard energy, you know, pushing it, you definitely know a little bit of the softness is necessary. And then, of course, there are those of us who will only ever do the yin and the restorative, but actually need some fire, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that brings up a great point of honoring the journey of wherever you are, of wherever you start. And that's amazing because you're starting. So who cares what it looks like? And I think there's you know, like we've talked about the cultural trauma. We've talked about so many of these cultural aspects and impacts. But I think perfectionism is a huge thing, at least in Western culture. And um, so sometimes I feel like that can even be a barrier to entry to some of this personal work that is so groundbreaking, honestly. And I mean that in like the most personal way possible, like groundbreaking for your own personal evolution and shifts. And so just allowing yourself to be the beautiful, imperfect human being that we all are. <laughs> yeah. Like release that. And and I, this is, again, I'm, I'm sort of like speaking about my own story too, is like, I, I had to let it go <laughs> yeah. and just accept the fact that I am never going to be perfect. And most of the stuff in my life is not going to be perfect. And that's okay because it still 
rich and beautiful and emotionally fulfilling. And and the more I allow it to unfold that way, the more fulfilling and enjoyable and all those things actually come through. Like you, you said earlier, when we were talking about the toughness. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Right. And I, I just, I, I believe that, you know, even in the, the work that I do, like, of course, I feel into people's energy and sometimes, you know, I guide them. But as we move on and develop that trust, that sense of safety, I am not giving anyone the answers because I don't have your answers. Right. I only have my answers. And that's only on a good day. Like... Yeah. You yes. know, and oh, absolutely. Yeah. This, this, this is the thing, right? Like in everything from business to, you know, even energy work, there's a framework on how you do it. There's a framework on how a yoga class should be. But for each of us, it can be a little bit different. What feels best for us, mm-hmm. right? And the more we can feel into our own what is necessary for us, then the easier everything gets, right? Yes, and I think that's a a really important distinction between like something like a practitioner that's in Western medicine, which is very much like a power hierarchical relationship versus a coaching situation, which is what you and I do now. And it's like, and we are guides and we challenge you to help you figure out what's best for you. But we are not here to, quote, tell you what to do or give you or even like say, do this and then this will happen. Yeah. No, that's. <laughs> and so if anyone out there comes across a person that calls himself a coach, but then also says in that very, you know, linear black and white framework, you might want to keep looking <laughs> yeah. because I, I just feel like it sets up um, an unrealistic, ba- uh, again, uh, boundary and, and uh, framework yeah. where really the framework is more fluid, not framey at all. <laughs> and the problems we have in society now and in Western society, these are power over problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I work with my clients in the functional medicine and and healing, and I, I merge the physical with the energetic. But that is usually one of the first things I say when we have like our first sort of like get to know each other session is I am not here to be your authoritarian or to tell you exactly what to do step by step. Like we are here to figure out what works best for you and and create something that thrives, that helps you thrive. And so, yeah. And I know for myself, there was a good chunk of my life where I just wanted someone to give me the answer, just someone yeah. tell me what to do, right? And so I understand when you're in that place and it's so beautiful when you start to trust your inner knowing, right? Mm-hmm. And can turn that light within rather than constantly looking out. Right. And peeling back the layers so that the light can actually come through. Yeah. Yes. Which is what tapping does. That's right. Bring it up full full circle. (laughs) And, you know, I just want to mention this because I think you'll like this. And I think, you know, maybe some of your listeners will like this too. Because my tapping is part of my morning meditation, right? I move through the points with no words, just moving through the points. And then I do another 
five minute after that of energy work because I can feel the aura has gotten much bigger. And so I'm much more aware of like where, you know, do I need more alignment? So Awesome. So let's wrap things up. Is there anything else that's a burning desire that we haven't touched on? No, I think this has been um, really beautiful. And the the one thing I just want to say is, it's your job, not you personally, but all of us, it's mm-hmm. all our jobs to follow the energy for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yes, because when we do that, then again, like we can show up in the world as our light and then we can encourage the light. Just by doing that, it encourages the opening of, of other people's light. And yeah. the more light we have, the more love and yeah. less of this other crap. <laughs> and, and absolutely that and it just it reminds me like we are at a time it is all hands on deck like we yes. need all of the awakened souls all the people called to do this work to step into this we need you now yes yes as uh carolyn mace likes to say that it's time for the mystics to come out of the monasteries so (laughs) uh, awesome so tell all our um listeners where to find you so i have a website anitakaiserwellness.com and you can also find me on facebook and instagram with that same handle anita kaiser wellness Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I'm just going to say there will be a show notes page. So if there's anything that uh, comes to your mind where you're like, oh, I definitely want to include this. And I think we can include a visual maybe of a tapping, uh, tapping points too, like from the neck up uh, to give people some resources. Yeah, I can awesome. send you that. Perfect. Per- perfect. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Anita. Thank you. It's 